Welcome to Talking Book Publishing. Hello, and welcome to Talking Book Publishing. I'm your host, Kathleen Kaiser, along with my co-host, Adana Moriarty. And today we have Kellyanne Manuel, who is the author of 31 books, all for children. And she has a really interesting take on what she's doing. And uh, so I just want to, we'll be talking with her about everything that's going on. Welcome, Kellyanne. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is a great day. Good. Well, so tell us the concept behind these 31 books. You have them all. They're children's books. They're a series. And so tell us how you came up with it. Sure. I call myself an uncommon author because I only started writing the same March of 2022. So a year and a half ago is when I started writing. And what happened was I heard uh, the poems. They came as poetry. And what I realized was that they, they were poems that were meant to be stories for children. And they were meant to be nursery rhymes. So really what, what the 31 books are, are modern day nursery rhymes for children. Because they all rhyme, every, every single one of them. So like I, because they came as poems. So I realized that they were meant to be in the hands of children really as fast as I could possibly manage it. So I, I started writing the poems March, April of 2022. In a very short period, about us, uh, 14 days, I had 27 of the books completed, illustrated, written. Now, not the synopsis. The synopsis were uh, a bit more grueling. The, the poetry and the writing came as easy. I, I wrote in an article, as easy as my own breath. However, the synopsis took a lot more time and energy to create. And so I did all the books. They were all written by and, and illustrated by the end of April. And uh, by the end of July, I submitted all the materials for publication. I wrote all the synopsises, 30. The first book I published in the spring by itself. So I wrote 30 synopsises and submitted them in the three weeks of July, um, the week after July 4th to the last day of the month. Then uh, in August and September is when all the proofing and the editing occurred. So everything was published by the last day of September. So I started writing March 2022. By the last day of September, I had 31 children's nursery rhymes published. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. I mean, just the illustration alone, uh, like to get that done in that amount of time is incredible. I found... So I describe my journey much like the movie Field of Dreams. Are you guys familiar with Field of Dreams with I mean, Kevin Costner? Yes. They'll yes. build it. If we build it, they will come. <laughs> that That is literally my story. Because when I started this, I wrote my first poem, My Name is Mountain, which became my first book. When I wrote that, I thought I was having an only child. I thought, oh, this is a nice poem. Maybe it's a book. I didn't realize I was having multiples. <laughs> Until, until, you know, maybe a week later. Then I'm like, oh, it's not just one book. And I did not even have a, a computer. Um, I wrote the first book on a, on a 2017 iPad and a cell phone. And my television went out. And for the life of me, I bought one. And I couldn't get it delivered. And then it occurred to me, ah, I don't need a television. I need a computer. 
because all this was happening at one time. So I went out and I bought a Mac, which if you had, I hadn't had a computer in many, many years because I hadn't had a desk job in many, many years. The world of the Mac was just such an awakening. I was so excited, but I did have to try, you know, I wasn't up to date on anything software. So I found Canva. Canva is where I did all the pictures, all the books, all the picture book and the formatting in Canva. And then I found iStock, which is where I was able to find at a million pieces of art. I was able to find the art that matched my words. And it was an incredible organic moment each time that it, that it happened. And it happened so beautifully. And I felt so blessed and so lucky for it to happen that way. Because there's, you know, there's 21 pages, say 19 to 21 pages per book. There's a cover. So each book has at least, say, say 21 illustrations. You multiply that by 31. And that's how many illustrations I was uh, storyboarding. And, but it, it was so natural. It was so meant to be. It was almost, people see the books and they think that I had my own illustrator create the art for the words. And that's not the case. My words found the art. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, the whole process sounds a little, I mean, it's definitely not traditional. And it sounds like just sort of overtook you in that period of time. And then are you writing more now? Or was this like a group of things that just came to you? And like, that's it? No, I'm writing like crazy. I am writing like crazy. Now, I did hybrid self publish. Well, I was an unknown author, there was no other path to take. Right. So I found uh, Balboa Publishing through Hay House. And I didn't realize at the time that my books would go through content review. I, I just thought I was self publishing. You know, you pay, you submit, it gets printed. So I didn't really realize that I was doing hybrid, which is indeed is what it was. So books all went through content review, you know, they passed and everything. But I did finance my own publishing. So I have so much more and I'm writing like crazy and I have so many more books. I had to cut it off. That span, the end of March to mid-April, I wrote more than 31, but I had to cap it somewhere. So I said, okay, 31 days is the most days in a month. If I cap it at 31, that's a book a day for a child from, from me. So that's how I stopped it at 31. I have adult poetry that is coming like crazy, and I have a ton more books for children. I just had to pause. Because I had to pay for PR. Once again, uncommon author. Nobody knows me. So I had to invest money in that. So as far as financially, I had to say, what is the magic number? What sh how much should I invest and where should I stop? Which is really hard because there's so much more I have. But I really had to be disciplined. And then I hired Pro Audio Voices to create the audio video of all 31 books. And they are right now, two have already dropped and the rest are going to drop this month. So all 31, audio, video, Audible, Spotify, wait till you hear them on mm -hmm. Audible. And I'm going to sell all 31 in, in a package. I think it's going to be around $17 for all 31 so that you can have all the books. The audio is incredible. The music, the sound effects, my narrator, Phil Shane, his voice has a vibration to it that I knew would land really well with children because my inner child responded immediately when I heard his voice. 
You've really put together a whole lot in, what, a year and a half at the most? Yeah, because the book's actually, the anniversary of publication, except for My Name is Mountain, is August. Mm -hmm. So most of them haven't even been published for a year. Wow. Well, how did you, so they're like about 20 pages long, okay? And they all came to you. Give us an idea of some of the the content of a few of the books. Uh, Well, what I say is they're all experiential. So they're all experience-based in one way or another. So within the experiences, so as I'm writing and as I'm doing the synopsis, I realized that the books fall into four categories. I didn't set it up that way. That's how they felt. So the classics, the essentials, the my name is, and the rainbow's end are the four categories. So each book fell into one of the four, but each book is a standalone, absolute standalone book by itself but they're all about experiences. They're all about resilience. They're all about coping. They're all about entertaining. They're all about memorization and children's literacy with the rhyming. So each, basically you could say, okay, I have a child who's interested in blocks. Well, I have the blocks building, or you're trying to figure out, oh, if a child is going to play with blocks, what would be a good way to get them motivated? Well, the blocks building, my books motivate. So you read the blocks building and the child's going to say, where are the blocks? So another book I wrote, the skate free instead of free skate, because I grew up roller skating and there would be free skate. So the skate free is a flip on free skate. And that's about anything with wheels that finds itself out a door. Anything with wheels. Very simple idea, but get something with wheels outside a door. This is, it's motivating. It's an idea that says, let's look at the world differently. Where's something in my house with wheels that I can take outside a door? It's, it's such a simple thing, but it's a little bit of a hint and a motivator. Then I have books that exist for coping with, with different circumstances, loss, grief. One of my books, instead of barely there, it's called the There Barely. And actually, um, uh, the Threadbare poetry book, I was reading it. My- and I thought, yeah. Yeah, and I thought of you, I thought of you with my book, The There Barely, <laughs> because it's about hunting for the, the for the There Barely when you have a bad day or have been treated unfairly, and it's a book about hunting, hunting for that just that little pinprick of hope and light that we need to survive. So if a child reads The There Barely, maybe later in life it's gonna it's gonna be helpful in a certain circumstance. The bear. I thought with Threadbare, I couldn't help but bring that up to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that you've read it. I mean, I put a lot of effort into that. I mean, it took me a year, I guess, to get it from where the moment of inception started, which was, you know, my dad going into the hospital to getting my book deal was a year. Um, I have a question. I just want to go back a little bit. So you said sure. it was March of 22. You had never written anything. Had you wanted to write something and it just wasn't time or what was that process like? You know, I've always been able to write a poem here or there, just something witty and a birthday card, but I'd never, most of my life I spent working, working on projects. We, in our family, we did a lot of DIY. So I'm spending most of my time doing physical, you know, painting, 
caulking, sanding, demo, landscape, prepping beds, hauling pine straw, you name it, I did it. So I spent the majority of my adulthood actually doing physical work, which I love and was very rewarding. I did work with children uh, in the preschool arena when my son was young. And that actually informed me for many things that ended up happening with the books later. Of course, none of this, I didn't know any of this at the time. Like I said, it's very field of dreams, like my story is. So, um, no, I, what, here's what, here's what happened. What I, each book you'll be able to tie back or I could tie back to an experience. I had to get to a place where I had healed enough from certain traumas in my life to hear the poems, to hear the stories. I call it achieving inner and outer quiet. It's one thing to have outer quiet. It's one thing to have inner quiet, but I had to have both. And when I had that quiet, I heard them. And I knew it was very, very, very important that the childhood, I, and I sensed a, what I'll call the childhood collective needing this literature. So for me, it's a mission. It's a calling. It's a purpose. And the minute I knew it was there, I, there was no way to not acknowledge it and to not honor it. So all I did was answer a call. That's all I did. You walked through the door right into yeah. it. Yeah. I like, you know, with how your thing was inspired reminds me of Patrice Karsh, who I think it was in 2000 or 2001. She woke up one morning and was inspired, wrote a children's book and um, something in the string, but it just went past a million copies. It's the invisible string. The invisible string. And, but she has worked that book. This is something we were talking before we started recording. Are you taking these out now? Are you putting together a promotional tour to go out to libraries and stuff to meet children because they're oriented bookstores? I know that, like most Barnes and Noble where I am, the second story is all children's, you know, and they have because people buy books for their kids, they want them to read. And I think this would be really an interesting introduction for you to do something like that yes i that's like the goal and an effort i'm going to put forward in this next coming say six months the past year was all about getting the public getting them published finding a pr company the black chateau enterprises is who i ended up with luckily lucky for me luckily for me i found them they've been amazing so in doing that there was a tremendous amount of work that has taken place the minute I paired up with the Black Chateau, a tremendous amount of work that started back in January. Then I started the audio video production. That's also been quite a bit of work. Also, I did attend the Los Angeles Festival of Books in April. I flew from South Carolina out to Los Angeles and I did attend and I signed books for two days there. So I'm when I get a sense that it's time to do something, then I act on it. And I just intuitively know when it's the time. When, I, when it was time to find PR, I knew. When it was time to book a flight to Los Angeles, I knew. When it was time to go to the ALA with my first book and, and, and meet someone from Author Solutions, I knew. It's been very much me just trusting my intuition. And when opportunities present themselves, I take advantage of them. But certainly 
you know, and I've done done the book fest with Black Chateau. That was incredible. I got to read um, one of my stories called The Night Quiet. It's, it's instead of quiet night, it's the night quiet. And it's my good night moon. And they honored me by allowing me to read that story to close out the book fest. And then I participated in the beach bound book fest. That was an honor to be able to participate in that. And I read the skate free. So I, I'm really just trying to trust the opportunities that present themselves mm-hmm. and say yes to them. And then stay open to any and all ideas that come my way. Yeah. Getting in front of, of uh, parents and children and even grandparents at the LA Festival of Books is we have a large booth there with the Writers and Publishers Network. And the people that come up, especially with the children's authors, you know, it's the parents and the kids. And I'm always happy to see so many families attending that event, that there's that many. Young, you know, younger couples that want their kids reading and you get to meet them. They get to meet the author and they, they probably remember that most of their life. It was very exciting. I, I look forward to doing more events like that for sure. hundred percent. And we'll just see how that unfolds. I, my PR team did just have me create a YouTube channel mm-hmm. for Kelly and Manuel where I am reading some of the books. So they've rolled out the first book of me reading The Boots Rain, and there'll be three more released on the YouTube channel. So that that's another way I am trying to get my name out there. So, I mean, do you have kids in your life, grandkids or, you know, your own children that you've gotten to test these books on? I mean, I, I just find it fascinating. Like you wrote them so quickly. You got them illustrated so quickly. You got them published pretty quickly. You know, for someone who wasn't really dreaming of this life and then to kind of land in it, like, you know, the whole, all of it is interesting to me. And I just wonder if, you know, you have little people in your life that you've gotten to share it with. I have. And boy, what a, what a beautiful moment. Uh, I have a, a great nephew who at eight months was responding to the essentials to the eight months and then an older great nephew who responded to all of the books, but especially so to the catcher dream. And the catcher dream is a flip on dream catcher. And I, so I have found as young as eight months that, that the books are, the children are responding to them. And my own son, he's, he's grown, he's 26. So, but he, he loves the books. He loves the books. And really a lot of my books have messages for those other than children. The messages resonate with the caregiver as well as the child. So what about, I mean, when you write these books, you work on the illustration, what was your next step from there? I mean, you said you did a hybrid publisher. So, I mean, you know, you start researching, what did that part look like? Because we haven't had the opportunity to talk with a a lot of children's authors. And I mean, the process is a little bit different because they're they're so visually heavy as well. I'm just kind of curious, you know, the the whole process of it was really fast, but the publishing part is always like, it's not easy. It's complicated. Yeah. I, I found everything very simply. I intuitively knew what to search for. And then when I would see like when Hay House 
I was always fascinated by Louise Hay, always fascinated by Louise Hay. So uh, for me, I found the publisher more on the grounds of being fascinated by Louise Hay than I did to find a publisher. That is my world. So the actual doing comes from already feeling and, and leaning into a certain belief or understanding or concept. And then I find the, the, how to do it. So it, for me, that was really organic to find Balboa Press through A House. And then, of course, they're out of Bloomington, Indiana, and I went to Indiana University in Bloomington. So I look at these little signs and I just go for it. I don't hem and haw. I don't, I'm 54 years old. Look, we just got to get the show on the road at this point. So I'm just trusting myself. And when I find something and I Google something and I, I do enough research like Black Chateau, I researched how do, how do I do marketing? Will they even take me? These are all questions you don't know as an uncommon author. And I researched and they kept coming up time and time again in my searching. And so I, I knew intuitively, ah, they're my people. And then they're the ones who led me to Becky Parker Geist at Pro Audio Voices. So do you see how for me, it's almost like this journey just unfolds. I take a step and then I understand there's going to be something else. I, I won't know it in that moment that I'm taking the step, I mean, but I am trusting that there's a reason this is happening, that these are meant to be in the hands of children that they were also meant to be audio. And I just trust it. I do enough research to feel comfortable. And then I take the leap of faith. This is really an interesting and different way of doing something. I've never known anybody who start to finish under a year has gotten what you've done. Yeah. Same. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. That's yeah. why I'm trying to dig into your process here because, <laughs> because I feel like, I mean, you know, for our listeners, we try to do on the podcast is help them find their own path, right? And yes, and be able to make decisions on on what's the next step or where do I go from here? And I don't even I don't even know if somebody could follow your path because it's like it's like divine intervention almost. <laughs> first first yeah, I, I agree it is sort of divine intervention, but secondly, they absolutely can. Here's the thing. When I when I say to your audience, achieve the inner and outer quiet. Do that first. Create from that space. To writers, I say write away, write away. W-R-I-T-E, write away, write away. R-I-G-H-T, write away, write away. Achieve the quiet, inner and outer. Create. Keep that quiet when you are starting to make business decisions and trust your own intuition as best you can go with a solo independent decision making model getting buy in from others for me would not have been helpful if you are creating you have this ability to take this next step and you have to believe and trust in yourself that it's simply waiting for you. It's there. I talk about that I had a lot of sh shag carpet and linoleum 
over hardwood floors. The books were the hardwoods. My true self was the hardwoods. But there was linoleum and there was shag carpet. And I had to pull back that shag carpet and that linoleum to get to the wood floors. And I am telling your audience that they have the wood floors. Pull back the shag carpet, pull back the linoleum, and let the wood floors shine. That's an inner, especially with your building background, that's an interesting metaphor. For <laughs> that's how I came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's nothing like pulling back that shag carpet and finding beautiful, pristine hardwood floors. I mean, that inner and outer quiet is hard to find, though. I mean, you might be able to find one or the other, but achieving both is hard to get to. I mean, do you have any advice to our audience for that? I mean, like, I know for me, when I'm writing, it takes me a few days of like having nobody bug me at all to be able to even like have the first thing come to me. And so, you know, with life, you have responsibilities and things get in the way and you have to go to the grocery store, you know, like whatever. How, how do you find, how do you achieve that in order to get to that place where you can hear the words so you can write right away? Well, for, for first of all, for me, as far as the interior, that took a lot of work. You know, even when you find the hardwoods, oftentimes you have to refinish them. So for me, that was from counseling. I had to enter myself into counseling. I had to go through a lot of work on myself and a lot of healing to have inner quiet. Because had I not, the inner quiet could not have been, would never have been accessible. So that is a big piece of my story. I did that hard work. I did. And I, that's the inner quiet. Now, the outer quiet, it's a lot different due to households and the way your world works. So if I had a piece of advice, it would be this. Pick a day of the week. Tune in even in a second of your, to yourself of quiet. And envision your calendar for the week. And go ahead and with your mind, create timing on that calendar for you and for your outer quiet so that you can write or whatever, whatever you're, whatever, if you write, whether you paint, whether you draw, visualize it and then you'll find it. Because otherwise think about it. You're not, I have a book called the still be the still be instead of be still the still be is my story where I never stopped working. Just like a bee never stops working. And then when, when the bee was still, what comes from that? Just like when I was finally still, I heard the poetry. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I know I'm somebody who's got 14,000 things going all the time. And I have to take long weekends to be able to say nothing going, not opening email, turn off the phone, and then I can write. But I have to build my own space because then I get really happy. By day two, I'm very happy. Everything gets going. The first day is a little rough because you've got your mind going elsewhere. I know how that is. And I also have the problem of over-volunteering for junk. So <laughs> <laughs> Now that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's another conversation. But it's really a nice way to, you know, what was it? Danielle still used to get up at 5 a.m. and start writing till her kids woke up at 7. 
And those, yeah. she wrote those two hours a day. And then when the kids were gone to school. I just had a thought, though, and I will say this. Outer quiet doesn't necessarily mean being still or sitting still. Because I wrote a lot of poems while walking my dog. Mm, while walking my dog. Like that. So, so it isn't necessarily. When I talk about outer quiet, it isn't necessarily a pen and paper and a cubby hole, you know, in a, in a, a beautiful library corner with ivy climbing on the brick. <laughs> it could literally, I'm picking up after my dog. He went to the bathroom and I'm cleaning up after him and I'm typing poetry into my phone, right? So it doesn't mean not In fact, I believe a lot of people in, are inspired when they're actually moving. And are actually doing. But even though you're doing, still can't, your presence has to somehow be a piece of that, but it still has to be a quiet. I don't know if this is making sense. No, it makes sense to me because I understand, I think I understand what you're trying to say, which is, I mean, like for me, when I'm in the shower or I'm walking or, you know, and it's in those spaces where your brain has an opportunity to wander because you're not you know, you're not looking at your phone, you're not looking at your computer, you're not, you're not, you know, watching TV. It's, it's in those quiet moments away from that, where your brain gets to wander and things start to filter in. Yes. Yeah. I find I can walk up to like two miles here without having to cross a street. And I find that's where I go, okay, now I'm going to think about this section of what I'm writing. And you just, cause I don't have, and there's not many people. I live in a small town, so it's, and I walk at sunset. So there's not tons of people. And it's like all kinds of things come together in my head because I'm one of those people, if I don't have it in my head and I don't see it, I can't write it. Interesting. I have to see a direction. And I'm not somebody who sits down and suddenly words gushes out. Mm -hmm. I have to know where I'm going. Ah, That's fascinating. You know, I will say this when you're, when you're doing something like walking and and you feel like you get an idea, go ahead and just jot it down. Even if it doesn't seem to be, you know, like, even if you can't necessarily visualize the end at that time, Mm -hmm. because it could be the seed. It could be the seed of something. So if if you get that inspiration, make note and and, and say walking, then you've got to get back and empty the dishwasher and move the laundry and then you've got the ironing and you've got carpool. So you can't even necessarily get back to it then. Go ahead and plant that seed because that will grow. You don't know when necessarily. You don't always know when. I didn't know when. I still don't know when. Some of the poems are, are coming and the books are coming. So it, it, if it could be something simple and you could acknowledge that that simple idea could be a seed. And from that seed could grow. A, a blockade that is blocking the actual thing that needs to come out. Cause I know for me, sometimes I get stuck on a line or two and I, and if I write them down, like sometimes that's it. It's all it is. There's no more to it. I've gone back in and tried to build poems or stories out of the line or two and they're dead weight. And, but it leaves room for the next thing to come through because it's like, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. And if you don't get it out, you can't ever think about the next thing. Yes. Writing, writing's weird. <laughs> We're all strange. Let's just yeah, writing's weird. I just finished a, a short story for an anthology that's coming out in October. And 
I was really stuck on the end. And the other night I was like, the deadline's July 20th. And I was like, I have to finish this so I can get on edits. And I had an idea of where it was going and I was really stuck. And then it just sort of came out of me in like a fever dream. And I have been editing this week, you know, going through it. And I'm like, man, this is weird. Like, and the process of it was weird. And writing is a weird journey, no matter how you do it, whether you're, you know, I mean, Kathleen's a little bit more storyboardy, you know, post-it notes and stuff all over the place. And I'm a little bit more like, you know, words vomit out of my thumbs. I write everything first draft on my phone. Like I don't write, I can't write first draft on my computer. I write first draft on my phone and I edit on my computer. You know, everybody's process is different. I'm always thinking about where it's going. I don't ever write it down. Like, you know, but I have an idea and then I sit down to write and I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. All the different ways. Yeah. I find it really personally exciting when you hit a point. It was like with what I was working on over the weekend, you know, 4th of July, I took, I took Friday through Tuesday off and it was suddenly a point came and it was like, oh my God, this is what I've been missing. And you get so excited. It's like, it just sort of came out and it was like, oh, okay, this is what I've got to do. And it works. I remember with my first novel, all of a sudden, one day I was, I'd been, I had taken like two months off just to write. And all of a sudden, one day the story started and it's like, well, I almost started stopping myself. It's like, where am I going? And I decided, no, just keep writing. It's coming. And it was a fabulous scene. And I, it was like, made perfect sense for what I had done. And yet it had not been on anything that I had been preparing or thinking about. And I, I, I love those experiences. They're, that's such a, I get such a rush from it. You know, it's like, this is exciting. Yeah. You can liken that to, um, you know, I used to, I'm not, I'm not athletic, not at all athletic. And, you know, I'll watch athletes and they would talk about how athletes get in a zone. And I would, because I'm like, how do they do that stuff with their bodies? And it occurred to me recently, I'm like, I know now what it is like to be in a zone, to have that complete sense of I am built for this. I am made for this. I was born for this. It is time for this. And it is such a thrill to be in the zone. And I think that's what you're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's why I do it still, you know, you keep doing it. <laughs> it's our you, version of the runner's high. Yeah, yes. run, let's go, let's go write something and feel accomplished at the end. And I mean, I know for me that every time that I get to just sit and write, whatever it is, like whether it's for work or it's creatively, at the end of a writing session is when I feel the most grounded, the most like myself, the most at ease. And, you know, the normal life anxiety is kind of dissipated for a bit. And so, yeah, I mean, I remember years ago when the time traveler's wife came out and he runs, you know, that's what he does. He jogs in that whole book and, you know, ends up in weird places and whatever. And like he, he, the author is a runner. And so in his writing, 
he took that and, you know, he explained that runner's high, which in his, in the book was like him ending up traveling in time, like where you're just floating and flying and you feel so good. And when I run, I feel like I'm dying, like even like 20 paces. And I'm like, oh my God, can't believe people run like, you know, five, 10 miles. It's insane. But I have that same feeling when I write. It's a moment that I would not trade for anything. Yeah. And I will say, I like to say that just because I took off the price tag doesn't mean I didn't pay for the garment. Mm -hmm. Getting to the place I have gotten has not been an easy path, but I would not trade one pebble of it if it meant that the books didn't come. It, it's what came from all, the whole evolution of everything who you are. This is what it's culminated in. Yeah. And so, when, you know, I do want to say that when you are in the, in the thick of it and you are in the struggles of it, if you can pick up the there barely and you can hunt for the there barely, you might be surprised at what's waiting for you at the end of that journey and the end of that difficulty and the end of that trial and that tribulation and that there could be something magical waiting and just to never, never give up hope. Because if I had, if I had given up hope and I could have, there were definitely times that, that hope was lost or felt lost, but I, I didn't allow it to take me all the way down. So if my journey can help with words of, of any kind of wisdom, resilience in a rhyming format for memory. What, what an amazing outcome that I could never have predicted. And that is so rewarding, exciting, and a blessing. And I actually feel honored that I was able to hear these poems and these stories and that I can bring them through for the, for the children, for the childhood collective. Well, I think that is a wonderful place for us to pause this interview. That was excellent words of wisdom for all yeah. of us. Congratulations on your accomplishment. Thank you. And there's more to come. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, so what's next? I mean, are you just focusing on, you know, promotion for these? Do you have books in the pipeline? I have. Yeah, right now, the, the goal was to get promoted and to get the audio video project complete. I I have, I'm writing so much right now. So I am curious as to when I'll get that next nudge or that next intuitive hit as to what direction to take next. As far as do I try to, do I try to publish the adult poetry? Do I add more to each of the four collection of the children's stories? It isn't at the moment clear to me. At the moment, it's just writing and creating. And then I'll wait for the intuitive hit. I know that it's all going to see the light of day. That I know. So I guess I would say your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> where where can people find you? You have social media, website. I mean, where? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So I'm on Goodreads. Okay. And if you just simply Google Kelly Ann Manuel, you will see all the books. And you could see the Audible and the Spotify links, and you can see Google Play. However you like to purchase your books, any way is available. Absolutely any, any way. So you just Google me, Kelly Emanuel, and Goodreads is, is it for me right now. 
as far as my creative self um, interfacing on social media has not been something that I'm confident in doing. Maybe one day. Now the the YouTube videos of me reading the books, the first one's out. You can you can see that today, the boots rain. So that's another place to find me would be on that YouTube channel, which is Kelly A. Emanuel. So so much is happening. It's just um it's really exciting. And I, I really do try to take each day as it comes and say, okay, universe, what's on tab for today? Perfect. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today. Yes. Thank you for coming. Love your story. It's such a different approach. You're, you're a very unique way of doing something. And by unique, I really mean unique. You know, I've never met anybody who's put out 31 books in less in a year. So congratulations. And for those who are listening, you can find out more about Kellyanne. Should we put the link to Amazon on our website for you? People can click through. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That would be great. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you, Kelly and Manuel. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with our next new podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Thank you. you. Talking Book Publishing is brought to you by Writers and Publishers Network, a resource for writers and indie publishers at every level and offers tools to be successful in their writing career. Writers and Publishers Network.com.